I should now curse on ordering the previous question on the resolution. All in favor say aye. aye. Opposed, no. No. The opinion of the chair, the ayes have it. We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and to our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution of the United States. Hello and welcome to Trumpcast. I'm Virginia Heffernan. So the groove is in the heart. That's my delight reference because it is time for some house music in here. Because yes, the House of Representatives approved the rules of the road to freedom, which is to say the procedures for the public phase of the impeachment investigation. Delight would be delighted. This means, yes, the chances are now off the charts that the president is going to be impeached. It's a happy day at Trumpcast. Now, hold up. Of course that doesn't mean he'll be convicted in McConnell's Senate. It doesn't even guarantee that Trump will have a real trial in the Senate. McConnell's powers of blocking should never be underestimated. And we're certainly not assured that Trump will resign in a panic like Richard Nixon. Mmm, resignation. Donuts. Oh, sorry. Hands on the wheel. Hands on the wheel. Groove is in the heart. And it's also Halloween. Okay, so I'm not going to be Natalia Veselnitskaya like previous years, because who even remembers her? But I might turn hero side and dress like Maria Yavanovich. I need to get her cool haircut in a wig, pronto, if so. Also, in the spirit of Halloween, that Halloween-y word, boo, has, just for this year, gotten a new pronunciation. So ghosts of all ages, listen up. It's now pronounced Boo! And may that beautiful syllable from the Great Nationals Park haunt Trump forever. Go Nats. My guest today is my buddy Jed Sugarman. He's a professor at Fordham Law School. He's got a BA, JD, and PhD in history from Yale. Come on. So he's kind of shooting from the hip when it comes to politics here. He probably reads mostly the Daily Mail and like Hot Corvettes magazine. Which I mean to say he's amazing and a walking library, but Jed also likes a risk or two. So I am here for it when he broadsides Robert Mueller for missing an opportunity or broadsides New York Attorney General Tish James for her passivity. Jed and I are going to talk about the state of play in the investigations of Donald Trump in his hometown of New York City, as well as all that peachy impeachment goodness going on down the Acela line in the nation's capital. But before I get started with Jed, On November 20th, coming up at 7 p.m. at the Bell House in Brooklyn, you gotta let Slate woman-splain the election to you. We will drone on in our grating shrill voices as Slate's amazing roster of women journalists come on for a live and off-the-cuff deep dive into the state of the election, followed by the ultimate debate watch party. Christina Cotarucci, Julia Craven, Ashley Feinberg, Mary Harris, Dahlia Lithwick, Nicole Perkins, and me, Virginia Heffernan, will explain, woman-splain, the ups and downs of the primary, shed light on the candidates, their policies, and their media coverage. So go to slate.com slash live for the women of Slate on 2020 in our greatest debate watch party ever. 
Jed, welcome back to Trumpcast. Thank you for having me, Virginia. It's great to be here. I get to behold you in person. I know. This is the first time. I've decided you're so true to your Twitter voice. Your Twitter <laughs> voice is so authentic that when you come in here, you look like it. And your voice and editorials. I've loved seeing all this work you're doing for The New York Times, The Atlantic. So because I have a thought leader, so to speak, in the room with me, we've got to start with something about the Nationals. Now, just understand I know nothing about sports except when I identify a team like Tom Brady of the whatevers, Mm -hmm. I decide that someone's Trump, then I root against them. Yes, okay. And so, and I decided that the Nationals were anti-Trump because of the booing. Yes. So don't disillusion me about that there's any other way to read sports. You were saying the weirdest thing as we were just getting ready about sports this season. Yes, we're talking the day after the Nationals have won the World Series. And what was remarkable in that series is that the home team went 0-7. So the, the visiting right. team won every game, and that's and that's and the Nationals winning the, the shocking you know seventh game. But that was a pattern that has held up all through 2019. So across what? football, hockey, and basketball, the visiting teams have are, have a record of 19 and three. Which is not just, it's a surprise because usually we think the home teams have some advantage, but this is not a small N anymore. Mm -hmm. So there's something, maybe there's something in the water or in the air in 2019 where visiting teams, maybe that we're all high anxiety. So home teams have a higher level of anxiety, of expectations. But here's here's a twist, if we could tie this into Trump politics. So I would say that maybe the pattern is that the incumbent party in in power, the the incumbent president is a home team. And the visiting team is the is the resistance, is the challenger. I thought and that quarterback looked like Elizabeth Warren a little bit. <laughs> what do you think? Exactly. I love this so much. And I'm going to only add, again, knowing nothing about sports, but also part of a transition to something I know a little more about, that possibly we're like all pro-immigrant right now. I love Don't that. Don't build a wall. We need a person. We need we visiting need, teams. We need immigrants they get the job done. They, right? <laughs> perfect. Okay. I believe, and I think everyone else does, that Nancy Pelosi is in the crescendo movement right now. And I just learned that crescendo is not a climax. Crescendo is mounting. It's building. Yeah, sure, building up. Right? Yeah. And, you know, I think you do too, but you've also paid much closer attention to the states and what other courts might do, the Second Circuit and Manhattan, and what might what they might do to the eponymous Trump cast Trump. So you went high culture with crescendo. Yes. I'm going to go low culture with the Avengers and Endgame. I think we're we're getting close to the Endgame, right? I There's love that it. moment where Benedict Cumberbatch's character says in in the Avengers, "We're getting to the Endgame," and then you get the the next movie. Um, Wait, he says that in he Infinity says that Wars. in the Infinity War. He says it in the at the towards the end of Infinity yes. War. So we're getting to the Endgame. <laughs> they, and, they do a nice job getting you to roll oh, into the next. Oh, one. segue! It's all it's all a setup. Yeah, we, right? it has felt like Infinity War. So I think we're now shifting from a sense of an Infinity War of this going like, when it's interminable. This the Trump era is interminable. Yep. So I now feel like we are now switching over to to an endgame. Now, let me emphasize that I'm not saying that the endgame is impeachment and removal, but the chances. But so I think this is a part of an endgame to November 2020. But I, I think it's not off the table. Yeah. That, that there's an end game here where there's a possibility more more of a Trump resignation. I'm not saying likely, mm-hmm. but I'm saying I've been tracking some of the prediction markets. And it's, yeah. and the prediction markets can be rigged by people who are either well, wanting to drive results. But people are 
putting money on 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 possibilities. And and then the, Trump does not endorse offshore betting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, but it's interesting how the number of people betting on Trump not finishing this term in office is is creeping up higher and higher. So yeah, I would say a month ago that number that people were betting uh, uh, seventy five twenty five that he'd finish, and then that number over the last month has gone. Thirty uh, percent, 70, 70 cents that he'll finish. Thirty cents he won't. And now we cross the threshold where it's under 70 percent chance. That's wow. that is the same. We're getting towards the same numbers where of of you know Nate Silver's prediction of Hillary versus Trump. I think he concluded at the day of the election sixty something percent chance that Hillary would win. Wait, so you're saying we can trust it absolutely? I'm as saying long we as it should, tracks with Nate Silver pre 2016. Uh, I'm saying that we should have taken Nate Silver seriously that Trump had a real chance of winning. Yes, and now I. I think with our end game, I think we should start thinking about the real chance, not the likelihood, but an end game of, you know, what did Benedict Cumberbatch's character say? It was like a one in a million chance. We're in a 30 percent chance. Okay, I want to talk about I really do think this rolls into some of the state court. I want to talk about what I thought was an amazing number. I've always thought impeachment was a kitchen table issue. You know, uh, the late Elijah Cummings was really invested in the House being able to do two things, at least two things, more than one thing. And we've seen Nancy Pelosi pursue drug pricing, her drug pricing bill, and a bunch of other things. So yes, we are chugging along on the issues that we're always told are of interest to Americans. But what's also been sort of exciting to see is the American commitment to rule of law. And I'll give you this one example. I don't know if you saw this, but Anthony Scaramucci said that only 26% are now left in the hardcore base. And he gets that number Hmm. from a poll two days ago saying that only 26% of Americans, and even including, I think, a minority of Republicans, say that Trump should not have to comply with subpoenas. Mm, And what is amazing about that is I think we have, you know, there's something like 40 million lawsuits in America a year. And there are, you know, 2.3 million incarcerated people that brushes with the legal system and getting served and having bench warrants out for you and responding to court orders are something Americans do and have to do. And at some point they say, you know, maybe it's clever to cheat on your taxes and maybe it's clever to, you know, Trump supporters. Maybe it's clever to like have sex with porn stars and get off scot-free with your wife like she doesn't leave you. But, you know. You know what? When the court says you have to come and appear in this day, I've always fucking had to do it and you have to do it too. See, yeah. I was trying to sound like an average American with my swearing. <laughs> but anyway, right. I found that very yes. interesting. That's so, fascinating. Right? Let's talk about subpoenas. Let's talk about Trump's lawyer, Konzavoy. Yes. Who I think has was an interesting player. I know it's a little bit a little bit ago, but I came to believe Konzavoy had said that Donald Trump could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue. Forget about not complying right. with subpoenas. He could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and still not be investigated because he's president. You say that's not exactly what that's he said, exactly, even though it's a nice meaty That's quote. right. Well, so let me first connect this back to my point about the end game. Please. Because this is about both federal and state investigations. So the, the big picture point I want to state, um, it's going to build into Consovoy's what Consovoy, the really the, the actual dangerous argument that Consovoy made okay. is that because we have a system where William Barr, Bill Barr is controlling the Department of Justice, there can be there will be no indictments. That was really Consovoy's dangerous argument. Yeah. So as long as Trump does not understand things, right? So, right. so unless it's staring him in the face, he's going to uh, just self-deal and self-imagine that he's above the law. Mm-hmm. We need state 
prosecutors to step up and do two things. Mm-hmm. Indict Donald Trump, right? State prosecutors need to more, do more than just subpoena. I agree with you that the subpoena is part of the end game. Mm-hmm. But we have, uh, we have probable cause now that Donald Trump committed not only federal tax fraud, mm-hmm. federal criminal tax fraud, federal bank fraud, or, and federal campaign finance felonies, but William Barr is shutting all of that down. Mm-hmm. But many of those crimes, not the campaign finance, but tax fraud, the bank fraud, tax fraud, insurance fraud, are covered by New York State. Where is Manhattan DA Cy Vance mm-hmm. um, for six months, since ever since Michael Cohen testified? Yeah. We more or less had probable cause for an indictment. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe we need to build the paper case, but he, but the state, pro- where have the state prosecutors been? Where has New York Attorney General Tish James, where is she been. She could bring a civil action against Trump organization under New York law to investigate it for persistent fraud Mm -hmm. as a civil, not as an indictment, but as a civil investigation. And there's a civil process that almost every state has under this old idea, old um, English process called quo waranto that can be used to, uh, to revoke the corporate charter for any corporation, mm. corporate being a corporation, your last guest, Ian Madrigal, talked mm-hmm. about corporate privilege and white privilege. Yeah, what, corporate privilege is a massive privilege for fake people, right? For with yeah. the corporate corporate entities, and and unlike real people, uh, uh, corporations can't go to jail and they don't die. Mm-hmm. So so the trade off is we're going to give corporations this magic power of uh, under the law, but, but it comes with responsibilities, and we can take away those magic corporate powers mm-hmm. if you engage in persistent fraud. Well, I can think of a corporation that's engaged now in persistent fraud. Yep. It's the Trump organization. Yeah. So if we're going to play out an endgame, Donald Trump needs to just have, be facing more than just subpoenas for Deutsche Bank records. Or, mm-hmm. you know, we need him to see that both that he's facing actual indictments from for state prosecution mm-hmm. and facing the prospect of his or his Trump, his 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 beloved, his most beloved child, Trump organization mm-hmm, getting mm-hmm. dissolved. Right. And yes. that is and that's not only a possible. Pa- this is their responsibility. Yeah. So I would say of, of all the of all the pro- p- problematic people in the world that are on the tr- in the Trump world, we also have a problematic set of Democrats who have not done their jobs. Yeah. And or delayed or trying to run out the clock. And, and you're talking and, about Tish James. I'm talking directly about Tish James. Yeah. And and so let me connect this back. So I want to talk more about that, but I want to answer your question about Consovoy. Yeah. Right. So Consovoy is Trump's private lawyer. Okay. Um, in addition, he took to, Cohen's seat. right. So so okay. Trump already has his law firm, the Department of Justice, right. doing his. You know, that's his personal that's, fixers. That's where Roy Cohn really that's, is. That's Bill right. Barr. But parenthetically, um, I got. I mean, I know we're not supposed to go off track here, but Bill Barr looks way more like Thanos. I think, in my vision, <laughs> just his head yes. and neck. Thanos, that's our <laughs> I like Thanos. That. Yeah, we, we also talked before about the supervillains of, uh, we thought, you know, I think the last time we talked, you were talking about Trump as Sauron and Jabba the Hutt. Yes. But, oh, Smaug also, Smaug. And Smaug, that's right. But Dang I also think Dr. Evil, right? Because yeah. what was Quinn said, what was, what was definitive about Dr. Evil was how dumb a supervillain he was. Yeah, right? that's like, right. A million right. dollars. Like, we need villains who are, you know, morons yes. to be the, the yeah. model here. But anyway, to get back to Consovoy. So Consovoy is Trump's personal lawyer, and his briefs made a broader argument against the, so the Manhattan DA went to state court for a subpoena of from Trump's accountants, not Trump himself, but Trump's accountants yeah. for the tax returns over so many years. Um, and then the the Trump's lawyer Consovoy in in the briefs made arguments about um, that because a president uh, can't be indicted, a president can't also be um, investigated by by criminal process, meaning subpoenaed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and he was making that argument about both state and federal. 
Right. So so it was a the briefs were broad. Right. But when he finally gets into court in the Second Circuit with an oral argument, he's somewhat careful to walk back how far he was pushing it against federal. So when when the Uh, when talking heads uh, appeared that day or when Twitter filled up with people saying if Trump shot someone on Fifth Avenue, he couldn't be investigated by anybody. And they pulled out one quote, constant voice. You know, he was one of the judges asked what would happen if the president actually did shoot someone on Fifth Avenue. And he, he said prosecutors could do nothing. Then there was a follow up and he was asked for clarification and he immediately tried to clarify. He actually apologized. I apologize. He said, I mean that there couldn't be criminal process, meaning mm-hmm. subpoenas. But they said, look, you could still have witnesses. Mm-hmm. And, and so if there was a shooting on if there was a real clear and present danger. Yeah. Right. He's saying prosecutors could actually investigate. He said, we're not trying to stop the grand jury investigation. Yeah. We're just saying that um, the president and, quote, his custodians, meaning accountants were holding his documents documents um, couldn't be subpoenaed. Now, it's still a an extreme argument, and I think it's a wrong argument, Mm -hmm. but it was it was, I think, misinterpreted. And he was leaving the door open. And here's the argument I wanted to emphasize. He differentiated between the danger of state prosecutions and he and the twist is that Consovoy actually cited one of my blogs. So I I I had written 18 months ago about the problem of state prosecutors that you would. It's a real question. I mean, you have to imagine if the shoe's on the other foot and you had President Obama or President Elizabeth Warren, what would happen if we allowed state prosecutors to run interference and try and shut down a presidency with a mix of of bad faith subpoenas and indictments, et cetera? Right. So I wrote in my blog, imagine 100 state prosecutors in either red or, you know, in in local red districts or local blue Mm -hmm. districts taking on in bad faith a president of the opposite party. Mm -hmm. Um, And I said that could shut down a presidency. If there were trials and Consovoy cut out without an ellipsis, took out of context that quote for investigation Mm -hmm. when I had explicitly said that the danger there was not, you know, they didn't put in the dot, dot, dot. But I said if there were hundreds of prosecutors putting a sitting president on trial. Got it. So I was differentiating. This administration has problem with ellipses, (laughs) as we learned from Vindman a couple days ago. Yes. So So the bottom line is he was differentiating between the danger of the proliferation of state prosecution mm -hmm. versus a federal prosecutor. They asked, well, what about, isn't that different because federal prosecutors, many federal prosecutors, Mm -hmm. aren't you making an argument against state and federal? Mm -hmm. And he walked it back. He said, more or less, it's a harder case to say that federal prosecutors should not be able to investigate or subpoena Mm -hmm. because at least you have the attorney general who has full control over the prosecutors. Mm -hmm. He thought he was making an argument for why there was a bigger danger of state prosecutors. Mm -hmm. I think what commentators should have picked up on Uh, is that he was actually signaling a more dangerous problem, which is that Trump can use any president, but Trump in particular, can use his fixer attorney general Mm -hmm. to block federal prosecutors from investigating. And that's my point about why we need state prosecutors yeah. to have this power because a sitting president can manipulate and abuse and use the Department of Justice as his own personal mm-hmm. law firm now. This is federalism. And I thought that conservatives embraced federalism, mm-hmm. right? The idea is we have states because the danger of centralized federal power mm. means that a president can shield himself from investigation mm-hmm. unless we allow the, the conservative federalism of the states and prosecutors to be able to investigate, to be able to subpoena And to and to also indict a sitting president. Uh, So, I mean, one thing that, you know, so many predictions, so many 
people on this show, historians like yourself, have wondered what would happen, you know, in the kind of Tim Snyder thing, like what happens when you get a tyrant in the Oval Office? Right. But what happens when you get a an obstructionist or a, a bulldog or whatever you'd call Bill Barr, you know, like a pit bull for Trump's id or something like that, you know, that he's willing, like Michael Cohen, to bend the law for this guy, like that is something we didn't expect. And we've been rolling with it now for what, a, a year? Yes. And it is cha- that has changed everything, the well, presence of Barr. Yes and no. Okay. So on the one hand, it's we've never had anything like Bill Barr before, but we have had for a hundred years. Yeah. The attorney general has been more often than not a crony or a hack for the president. You'd go that far? Yes, I actually wrote an article about this. Okay, so, so all I right, went, all right. So it turns out that, it, you know, and it's surprising because we sort of imagine that the 19th century is the era of patronage and cronyism yeah. and the 20th century, the Department of Justice is this heroic so, right, right. You, c- we civil say, rights. Right, where Trump always talked about Holder and Robert Kennedy as cronies and somehow in the prejudice in myself that I've had to confront where I say, what? Robert Kennedy, it was just incidental. He was brother yes. of the president. Yes, there not cronies and mobsters? Well, yes, you're right. And that can happen to any party. Exactly. So for a hundred years, we've had more Bill Bars and Bobby Kennedys than we've had the holders. So Obama's DOJ was more of the professional. Holder was more of an example of the professional. So I looked back and I looked at three categories. Yeah. Professionals, politicos, and cronies. Yeah. And it turns out that Woodrow Wilson, so this starts in the 19 teens with a Democrat. And so what Woodrow Wilson has his cronies in the 1920s. Yeah. um, And there's a a lot of corruption. I mean, a tremendous amount of corruption in the teens and 20s, which was relatively new. And then even Franklin Roosevelt had more of his Hmm. insiders, more cronies. And then so both parties, and then of course, Nixon perfected this art. Yeah, right. um, And with uh, with Mitchell and Kleindienst, these are two, uh, both of whom were, were then convicted um, for right. corruption. We need so, Barr's wife, like um, like Mitchell's wife, yes. to like start blowing oh, whistles. To- oh, that's yeah. perfect. So the bigger structural argument I would suggest is we need to change the structure of the DOJ entirely. And yeah, make, it, yeah. like, make it an independent agency. We we for two for a hundred years we've had too much cronyism and corruption by both parties in mm-hmm. the Department of Justice. Mm-hmm. It's it, I, I think it's now time to turn the Department of Justice as a kind of, it has a quasi judicial role. Yeah, under, and that's part of the legal doctrine. Make it independent from presidents. How would that happen? By legislation. You'd have to have the Democrats take both, you know. Like the judiciary would be would resp- would be in the judiciary yeah, judicial no, that's so, branch. Yes. Like the DOJ would be not respond not be a part of the executive branch. So I mean some I mean, make it like the Fed, right? So yeah. the Fed we, because oh, yeah. we're concerned with presidents manipulating interest rates. See what I'm saying? So it's yeah. not you'd still have executive it seems like appointment. Buttig- something Buttigieg would be down on. He loves oh. the idea of pulling all the stitches out of everything. We're talking about cronyism corruption at the level of the attorney general's office, yeah. but are you like the kind of Jimmy Stewart person that I am where I'm just like, oh, I can't believe Tish James hasn't done anything. Like, yeah, right. I, I know that she's a Cuomo person and yeah. I whatever. But Barbara Underwood, the yes. acting attorney, New York attorney general before she got there, set the table for her totally. to do so much. I mean, what did that take Barbara Underwood an afternoon to dismantle totally. the Trump Foundation and make it so none of them can sit on any boards? That's exactly like, right. Like, she just, like, seemed to do this stuff in her sleep. And then we get an elected New York attorney yep. general with all the protection of a governor, and she is paralyzed. And then Cy Vance, who has yes. a history of pulling back because he gets, like, I mean, these things, uh, yes. these things are crazy. He got, like, some kind of seemingly payoff 
by Trump adjacent people. Kasowitz. Kasowitz. So, yes. The so watch your yeah. back bitch Kasowitz. And yes. yet another one of these thug carny lawyers of Trump's. He donated something to Cy Vance and he made a criminal investigation of Ivanka and Don Jr. go away. Yes. The lawyers in the Manhattan DA's office were ready to bring an indictment against Ivanka and Don Jr. for real estate fraud. And they yep. had the goods. They had, they had emails that established a criminal fraud. That they were exaggerating how occupied the buildings yes. were. And, and it was it was fraud. fraud. Yeah. Exactly. And so they were ready to bring an indictment. And somehow Mark Kasowitz shows up with a check for, I think I have this right, for $25,000, sure. $50,000 yep. to Cy Vance's reelection campaign. And just exactly coincidental with that, Cy Vance makes those indictments go away. If that indictment had come down on Ivanka and Don Jr., there's no President Trump. Right. right. There's right. no President Trump. And that was a like easy deal. Are you somewhat shocked at the level of passivity on James's part and yes. and outright, well, what looks like outright corruption on Cy Vance's part? Yes. Am I shocked about Cy Vance? No, because I knew about this. I mean, I, I've been following this and, and, uh, and you know, the Harvey, protecting Harvey Weinstein uh, protecting Harvey and protecting Weinstein. Jeffrey Epstein. People, I mean, people can look this up. And then the flip side is when the winds shifted, Cy Vance then makes sure to bring an indictment on Paul Manafort, for, but, which was basically double jeopardy. I mean, it was. It was, mm-hmm. he, they, he, and it's not federal rules, but state law, uh, New York state law says you can't try and convict someone twice for right. the same facts. And that's still, that's still, apply, even though New York changed the law, you st- the, the old law applies to Manafort mm-hmm. for ex post facto problems. So it's still, so Cy Vance is actually one of the reasons why we should be skeptical about state prosecutors. Right. So I'm actually saying both things. I'm saying we should be skeptical about state prosecutors and politics mm-hmm. while we also need state prosecutors to step up and do their jobs. You know, we've right. said, we've like time after time, we've decided that there were was um, a uh, an institutionalist in D.C. who might save us. Even Barr, even Barr, remember when Barr first yes, came in? that's right. And that there might be uh, even, I see Ross Garber, everybody's favorite yes, right. yes. <laughs> impeachment shout defense out to, attorney. Shout out to Ross. Shout out to Ross Buzzkill Garber, as I call him. He's like always holding us back on prosecutorial zeal, which yes. feels so good. Yes. But anyway, Ross says he thinks that the person in charge of the origins investigation, this, you know, ridiculous, yes, yes, that yes, he right. might actually be some kind of saying good guy. Well, I'll believe it when I see it. Yes. But by contrast with the investment in institutionalism in D.C., we've seen this rabid in New York excitement about our avenging, hard-hitting, I mean, back to Eric Schneiderman, who's out of office for slapping women and, yes. you know, something worse than a Me Too moment, a violence. And Eric Schneiderman, and then, you know, people were excited about his replacement, Barbara Underwood. She did pay off, but, you know, We've been like, oh, everyone's going to be Preet Bharara and it's, you know, once right. he, whatever. Right. Well, obviously, New York has given Trump a pass since Atlantic City days. Yes. And the rogue FBI field office in New York has also been quite benevolent at strange junctures to Trump. And then we have Cy Vance. So New York can't get so excited that it's going to take this off his hands if Trump is never federally prosecuted and or if he's pardoned for federal crimes by his successor. Yes. I'm glad you went there because we are still in the middle of the investigation. So Sheldon Silver was was uh, the, the former uh, assembly, the, uh, the the leader of the New York Assembly, the yes. Democrat, yep. is still, he was convicted of corruption. Right, that's and right. And Dean Skelos w- was convicted. Yes. As, so we, we have in New York a systematic corruption within the Democratic Party. Yep. And Andrew Cuomo, too, is implicated yeah. in, in, in without ever having faced um, prosecution. You know, Tish James ran 
on the platform of holding Trump accountable. Yeah. And she has, like, let me give her credit, on kitchen table issues yeah. uh, like health care mm-hmm. and immigration, immigrant rights, she has put more work into protecting everyday New Yorkers against some of the most direct Which is a, a nice re-election so, play. Okay. Uh, it is, and, but, but it is, it does avoid, I mean, she did run on the, this federalism exactly. kind of argument that New York State has a role to play with holding Trump accountable. And the only thing that she's really done is seek a subpoena of the Deutsche Bank records. Yeah. So when I talk about this end game, right, it's important to know that pardons don't affect state criminal liability. Yes, exactly. But a deal, but Nixon, you know, Nixon made a deal with a, uh, allegedly, or there, Nixon was pardoned right. by Gerald Ford. That was part of what enabled Nixon to resign, mm-hmm. allegedly. The promise of that the, pardon. The promise or a, a nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Yeah. And then he got it and then he was pardoned. Yeah. And I actually think that was a good resolution, right? It was more important for the country. I don't think it's the whole lock him up thing is not going to help, in my view, right? Well, and it's so, not going to help force him to resign. I mean, just because you went there <laughs> and we were, ta- we were talking about the nationals earlier, that discharging the like anxiety that yeah, we've yeah, all yeah. felt being lied to all this time, just it's, it's relentless and it's very, it's insulting and injurious yeah. to American minds to be told they have to sit down and shut up all the time yes. because Bill Barr says there's no collusion because... Trump says the exact inversion of the truth. Yes. And, you know, whether the the sabotage is, you know, throwing a clog in the machinery or, or, or you know, spitting at the president or, or whatever, these are like well within our First Amendment rights. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I'm not a big yeller of that, of locking anyone up. On the other hand, like, I mean, it pretty, it was like, Whatever. For those who sat through hang the bitch and lock her up, everybody has to be able to punch out at some point. And catharsis. I get it. There was a certain degree of anxiety I felt when the lock her up chants were happening. And there is a mental shift that I'm having about what America is. We've imagined that America is part of a Euro-American world, that that Mm -hmm. America is part of a European sphere. And that's That's our notion of the the North. We talk about the North, the global North and the global South. We talk about the Anglo-American tradition. And over, over time, I'm beginning to see America as a kind of a post-colonial power like Latin America. Like mm. we are increasingly like of these post-slavery, post-imperial um, uh, colonization, you know, uh, post-colonial Latin American dictatorships with uh, real massive problems of the rule of law. Like we see of Bolivia just last week of riots. Yeah. Um, no, I, the, I mean, the, it's crazy. Venezuela, Santiago yes. and Beirut all blowing up. We, I mean, we never talk about it on the show, but like the world's on fire. Yeah, the world's on fire. And our self-conception that we have this strong rule of law, I'm more anxious, I mean, and, and let alone Europe. I mean, even if we want to say we're, we're part of this Anglo-American, we have, bre- you know, between Brexit and Victor Orban yeah. and Putin and, yeah. and and Poland. I mean, it's, we have a, we have a crisis of a culture of rule of law, every, even in the places it's the strongest. Yeah. And we actually may be weaker than we imagine. I think on one level, the lock her up chance yeah. had s- w- affected me emotionally yeah. in a in a disturbing way in tw- in the 2016 campaign when mm-hmm. i thought that trump would probably lose mm-hmm. there still was this sense that this was a turning point mm-hmm. where the republican party which was you know, conservatives created mm-hmm. the, the phrase rule of law like yeah. it's a the rule of law is a deeply small c conservative point of view yeah. about holding back on politics so when it used to be progressives and then so socialists communists progressives yeah. of the early 20th century were a threat to the rule of law and conservatives created this phrase yeah. uh, to hold back socialism what's frightening to me is first of all that I, i'm embracing this deeply conservative concept mm-hmm. but i think that we have to be aware of this idea that democracy depends upon rule of law norms 
following Vinvin's testimony, of, I haven't even spoken to you since we heard from Taylor and Yavanovich. You agree with me that we are entering either an end game or yes. a crescendo. And what do you think it might look like? I hesitate to make some predictions. Mm-hmm. But we, the other thing to think about is the Democratic Party has had a set of leaders that reflects well on the Democratic Party that there are more women and people of color mm-hmm. in leadership positions. That is says, But that great thing about the Democratic Party is also what prevents it from breaking through with the, with the Trump base mm-hmm. because it's a lot of Jews, women, and people of color mm-hmm. who are the spokespeople of this investigation. Mm-hmm. Mueller could have been the person as, as a, a conservative Republican veteran. Right. If Mueller had, ste- had been able to, you know, I, I, I've been on this show before criticizing Mueller. It was a missed opportunity. Yeah. But now we're going to see people, Vindman in, in uniform, John Bolton, um, uh, right. Taylor, a series. I mean, there are some women in the mix and some of them are Jews, but they're a lot more. They look the part of the conservative white male who might actually be able to say things about Trump that might break through on a cultural level. And what will it look like? I think it's really important I for mean, the I, House. OK, I want to say something about that. I think the allegiance is to the so-called white ethnics like uh, Giuliani. Like yeah. they, they're the ones in charge. Like Trump pretended he was Swedish. He's from this th- <laughs> thuggy German yeah. town. His yeah. family's from thuggy right. German town since we're speaking atavism. And, you know, he's surrounded, has always been surrounded by the aspiring petty yes. thugs. Right. With uh, Kellyanne Conway has a, um, a mafia background. Giuliani has a mafia background. And those are the people that, I mean, when he, remember, I like people who weren't captured. A huge revelation of the past two weeks has been that, like, people that looked like American heroes to Republicans, who, by the way, I was always on the fence about, like, you know, just because you killed people in Vietnam. I think our friend Karen Schwartz pointed out that swift boating started the process of dismantling people who served in the military. George Bush, unlike his father, dodged military service in his complicated way. And we started to let Republicans. I mean, what's so strange is to see Pete Buttigieg and bless her, Tulsi Gabbard. And before that, uh, <laughs> Eric, Eric, Eric Swalwell. Bless your heart. Bless so- your heart. Southernism is bless, bless your heart, Tulsi bless Gabbard. Your heart. Yeah, Dobre Utra, Tulsi Gabbard. But to see people in uniform, including right. the Gold Star family, including um, including uh, recently right. Vindman, have the pins pulled out of that. I mean, they really have, there's nothing that lines up on their side. Yes, but, but, but this is, so, but this is but the but dynamic now. the base is different from the Republican spirit that we I, identify with Mueller and Comey before he converted. Um, The base, you know, wants a spectacle. There are repository for total irrationality. Right. You know, they do, they supposedly do the opposite of everything. That's why, again, to try to bring it back around, I think that this idea of the shrinking base, because there are a group of people, hat tip Anthony Scaramucci, who don't think the president and the Republicans should be able to defy congressional subpoenas. I don't mean to be naive here and say that the base is going to abandon Trump, but it's, but it's what, it's true. Shrinking the base. It's some number Shrinking of the Republicans who, who you know, held their noses to vote for Trump yep. and and see that saw Hillary Clinton as a boogeyman and 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 people of color immigrants. Yeah. But then when they finally confront the facts of a dozen witnesses, yeah. And you were never going to get with Don McGahn the kind of breakthrough, right? Because yeah, they, that's a good point. And so in some way, right, like the Mueller report just didn't demonstrate in these stark terms mm-hmm. the actual crimes. And Nixon, keep in yeah. mind, Nixon resigned when there was never proof of his knowledge in advance of that break-in. I think there's a possibility that between the House's strategy to have live testimony, and you no longer need the whistleblower. I mean, yeah. the whistleblower was not on the phone call, yeah. but Vindman was. Right. And Sondland's facing perjury charges. Now. Yeah. And not now, but in 2021. So there's a question of whether someone else is going to flip. 
right? What will Bolton say? There may be a domino effect where there is someone who has more direct accounting or we're going to see something in in some financial records. Mm -hmm. So the House is wise to have these live witnesses. And the other dynamic in the Senate is to understand that there are going to be some number of senators who will not vote with McConnell if McConnell tries to shut down the trial or keep it really cabin. Mm -hmm. The question is whether Murkowski, Susan Collins, and uh, Mitt Romney, and maybe some of the other Republicans who are in, in really in trouble for re-election mm-hmm. say, you know, we might not vote to remove, but we're not I'm not going to take a bullet for Trump to shut down a Senate trial. Mm-hmm. But this all has to happen within a pretty tight time frame. Right. Because, um, and so the so anyway, I, 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 I won't predict that we'd have a vote to remove. Yeah. But if we have a combination of this end game of state prosecutors threatening you know, bringing indictments mm-hmm. there, then and we see all of this evidence come forward and Trump is facing deeper, broader kinds of criminal investigations um, for himself. Then we then I think the prospect of a of a resignation deal, people dismiss it. But I think that it's something that we have to strategize. Around. I, I absolutely, absolutely agree with you. I think that's really interesting. Thank you so much for being As here. As always, great to talk to you, Virginia. That's it for today's show. What do you think? Get on political ad-free Twitter and find me at page 88. The show is at Real Trumpcast. And why stop there? Go on over to slate.com slash Trumpcast plus. Become a Slate Plus member. You can get discounts on tickets to our Women of Slate show and so many other things. Plus members get all of Slate's podcasts ad-free for only $35. That's like gremlin toenails and bat wings per day. Go to slate.com slash Trumpcast plus. Our show today was produced by Melissa Kaplan and engineered by Merritt Jacob. I'm Virginia Heffernan. Thanks for listening to Trumpcast and happy Halloween. Boo.